0: This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Parents can easily miss their child's eye problems. Issues can occur in only one eye, making it difficult to notice. The earlier an eye health or vision problem is identified, the more likely it can be corrected. The iSee Learn program provides an eye exam and free glasses if needed for kindergarten-age children. 25% of kids begin first grade with an undiagnosed eye problem. To book your child's eye exam, please visit optometrists.ab. Welcome back to Sick House, the podcast. <laughs> it's been it's been a month for us here at uh, at Shay Bourgeois,
1: and we're not even done the month yet.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, we just came off of a week of head colds for virtually everybody.
1: I'm the only one who has escaped. Healthy. Yeah. So far.
0: So if I sound uh, a little nasally or congested, that is the reason why.
1: <laughs> Scott is recovering from the head cold that he got from our baby.
0: Yeah, I think I'm the one who got it the worst, actually.
1: Yeah, it's because you get man colds.
0: I mean, I was, I was down and out for like a day and a oh, half. Oh, you
1: really were. You were sick. You, yeah. you weren't sleeping. You were all snotty and gross and coughing and it was, it was bad.
0: Yeah, and this is exactly the content. That the people <laughs> who listen to the read-along have tuned in to hear.
1: Absolutely. People want to know about your hacking cough and your snotty nose.
0: That's right. Um, and not at all about uh, the end of our book.
1: Right? Yeah. Woo! Welcome to book club, everybody.
0: We, uh, we finished the last chapter, last episode. And uh, I think we can we can just dive right into a short recap of the epilogue. Sure. In which uh, several months after the adventure, Nick and Johnny meet up at Halloween briefly. And Nick is still quite angry about many things. Mm. And Johnny wishes him, potentially, a final farewell. And that is where we ended off. And uh, that leads us into our final analysis, our full book club episode of Beneath the Rising by Premium Mohammed. woo So I guess the, the first question, really... That everybody wants to know, did we like the book? I liked it. I liked it too.
1: Not my most favoritest thing that I've ever read. No. But it was it was fine. It was a good book.
0: Yeah, overall, solid.
1: Yeah, I thought so.
0: We, we had a few quibbles here and there about some of the structure, and uh, we both kind of felt, I think, a little let down by the ending. We kind mm-hmm. of wanted it to be more.
1: Yes, I, I definitely wanted more out of the ending.
0: But, like... And I, I don't know that Primi Muhammad is ever going to listen to this episode, but, uh, I mean, a solid novel, like, from an author who doesn't have a tremendous amount of experience. It's a great read. Yeah. And I would certainly be interested in reading the sequel.
1: Uh, Premi. if you ever do decide to listen to our podcast and you've made it here all the way to the end, please know we did like your book. Yeah. We really did. Any... Even though we're about to get all picky about it. Well, and
0: and again, we, we had a few quibbles here and there, but... the Pretty minor. And we've had quibbles about
1: other authors. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Not everything is for everyone. Agreed. But this one was definitely our jam.
1: So instead of us uh, rambling on for an hour and a half and giving you an interminably long episode, I've sort of truncated it to some of the important things I want to talk about.
0: Yeah, our book club episodes have a tendency to run a little long, and, and a lot ends up on the cutting room floor. We're going to try to streamline things yeah, a little bit.
1: Wanna, I want to help Scott out with editing here and not prattle on for too long about stuff. So let's start right off the top. We've already discussed, we both liked it, mm-hmm. but I have a, a question specifically for you. Okay. Um, because you are a better versed than I am in the genre of Lovecraftian-esque Fantasy and horror, right? So based on all of that knowledge that's soaked into your brain, how does this work compare with other things that you've read in a similar genre? Um, I would say well. Yeah?
0: I mean, it uh, it stands out a little bit because it's comedy horror. And it's not the first time that somebody has done something a little more comical with Lovecraftian cosmic horror. I'll, I'll point to Charles Strauss and The Laundry Files. Which is a great series of reads, by the way. Mm-hmm. If uh, if you're at all, if you've read Beneath the Rising for the first time, and this is your first time dipping your toe into something that's like comedy horror of a Lovecraftian vein, definitely check out Charles Stross's uh, The Laundry Files. It is one part comedy, like very British comedy, hmm. one part Lovecraftian horror, one part James Bond, uh, because Ooh. it it also mixes in some trade craft with the Lovecraft, and it's uh, quite an enjoyable read. This is not. Me saying that's specifically better than Beneath the Rising. I'm just saying if you liked Beneath the Rising, you'll probably also like the laundry
1: files. Yeah, comparative kind of things. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't think it loses anything by being in the modern setting. No, not at all. Right. Most Lovecraftian horror that, at least that I'm familiar with in my limited range, is is a little bit uh, ye oldie? well, stuff because Lovecraft wrote in the 1920s.
0: yeah, uh, predominantly he wrote in the 1920s. And uh, I mean, so a lot of the Lovecraftian um, imitators, I'm gonna say, kind of write in the same time period because they're trying to ape him. Yeah, but um, I mean, there's plenty of material out there that moves Lovecraft into a more modern setting. Uh, or even beyond, there are some uh, science fiction stories that have some Lovecraft in them too. Where it's like we're out in space. Also, monsters. Turns out <laughs> it's terrifying out here. There's scary I, monsters. In I mean, space? arguably, arguably, Alien has Lovecraftian themes. Uh, very strong Lovecraftian themes. Oh uh, yeah, I suppose. And uh, and a very like uncaring and and horrifying cosmic uh, setting. And that I would say is an example of how you can you can do far future stuff with uh, Lovecraft as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so let's uh, let's take a step back and let's look at the whole book. What do you think, Premi Mohammed, was trying to say with this work? Like, what was what was the moral you took from the story?
0: Well, I mean, we kind of discussed this last episode a bit. We were we were tiptoeing up to getting full book. Right,
1: we're gonna we're times. gonna take the pin out of that episode and now yeah. deal with it here. And
0: I think that uh, the thing that we settled on. Is that while this is a story that is ostensibly about two friends trying to save the world from a Lovecraftian apocalypse, what the story is actually about is a friendship falling apart. A toxic friendship falling apart. Yes. And that is very much what Preemie focuses on. That's the heart of the story is Nick's realization that his relationship with Johnny is very one-sided, is very harmful to him, and that he doesn't want to be in it anymore. (laughs) <laughs> um and the the setting is very much a uh, a place for that story to take place in and that is why and this was one of my quibbles with the book we don't spend enough time living in the world cuz we're too busy living in Nick's emotions. Mm-hmm. That is again that's a minor quibble because I recognize that's the story Premie wanted to tell it's just unfortunately I was also very interested in all of the set dressing and I wanted more about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um I had, I had a very similar thought to it and I kind of wish that I had realized this earlier in the read because I think it would have affected how I felt about the story by the time we got to the end. It seems to me that in this book the story is there to portray these characters as opposed to the characters doing things to tell us a story.
0: Well yeah and I mean that's that's a different way to uh, approach storytelling too. Is some some stories are very character driven, some stories are very plot driven, and this is just an example of a book that's much more character driven. Oh plot-driven. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah,
1: and I think if I'd have realized that sooner, I wouldn't have spent so much time trying to look at all the scenery and all the world building that that we were kind of disappointed in.
0: That was kind of rushing by.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I like everything. In a book, right? I like the background stuff. I like those little details. Yeah, Nita
0: enjoys texture.
1: I, I do. I, thank you. That's a good word for it. I do enjoy texture. Yeah, and I think if I have realized that I was supposed to be focusing more on just the characters, I, I maybe wouldn't have tried so hard to pay attention to everything else going That's fair. on. That's fair. So, do you want to take a few more minutes to talk about this toxic relationship? <laughs> sure cuz it's such a big part of these two characters well it's
0: it's the core of the book
1: yeah it is it is such a big deal the the relationship between these two and the world falling apart just sort of happens around that at, at the risk of repeating myself who boy does this friendship have baggage <laughs> wow and uh we still haven't decided one way or the other uh at least in my mind i haven't decided one way or the other whether or not nick is actually free of Johnny's magic, I don't know.
0: I don't think he is. Um, and I actually, I think I really bullseyed it last episode when I said his heart belongs to her and always kind of will because of the magic. But his mind belongs to him, and he's emotionally and physically and mentally mature enough at this juncture that he can make rational decisions and override his heart.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um,
0: he does it in the in the very last chapter when he he watches her walk away. Putting on her her great display of being Frodo, leaving for the West, and he thinks to himself, like his heart in that moment is like, I should go and I should like stop her and say, you know what, it'll be fine. We'll meet up again in a few weeks. Everything will be okay. Yeah, it would
1: be really easy just to chase after her, and her
0: and his brain is like, no, no, you shut up, you shut up, heart.
1: I don't, don't you need dare.
0: you. Go away. Don't and need you. and uh, and he makes the he makes the more rational decision in that moment. And I think that that's kind of where he's at at the end of the book is that because he knows what's going on, he can now make more informed decisions. And even though he will always have that knee-jerk reaction to be there for her, to comfort her, to be her friend, he now knows why that is and he can override that.
1: Yeah. He hasn't broken the spell. He's overpowered the spell. Yes, he's compelled to go follow her and to be with her and to love her and support her and all those things. But he is strong enough now, yeah. emotionally, mentally, maybe even physically, I don't know, to say no. Yeah.
0: And I think that actually speaks to the broader theme, too. Like, it's kind of on the nose, if anything, but that's kind of where Nick is at. Mm-hmm. He recognizes the the terrible relationship for what it is, and even though he still feels the pull of it, he can resist it now.
1: Yeah. We've been talking about it through the whole book, right? That's the whole it's, it's like the crux of their relationship is just how bad it is. Right? Yeah, because so. and it's
0: because it's very one-sided. Because Johnny takes from him what she does not give back.
1: Yeah. It's it's crazy selfish.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you can argue, well, she's tried to give back because she's offered to put him through college. She's offered to pay his bills. She has offered to buy him extravagant gifts.
1: That's not giving back. That is throwing money at the problem again.
0: Which is Johnny's M.O., Right. Make throw money at it, make it go away, and that's. But that's not emotional reciprocation, which is what Nick desires.
1: Yes. And what and, she
0: is incapable of giving. And
1: I would argue deserves. Yeah. Her arc, I I pretty sure I said it last chapter. Uh, her arc was very disappointing for me. I think she didn't really grow as a character.
0: But having had a week to sit on it, I think that was intentional.
1: Oh, it had to Johnny.
0: Been. Johnny is not meant to change. Nick is meant to change. Mm. Nick is meant to recognize that Johnny will never change. She will always be that person and that he needs to move beyond her.
1: Mm. Uh, We may or may not do it on the podcast, but would you read the sequel to this book?
0: Probably. I mean, we've, we've done that before where we've been like, we've read the first book of a series and been like, yeah, I'd read the follow up to that. We have yet to set a precedent where we do read a follow-up novel. Yeah. I it know. might yet happen. It the might. door is cracked open there. But we don't want we also don't necessarily want to fall into reading a yeah. series.
1: Yeah. We're we're covering lots of books, not just one series. Of exactly.
0: Ones. So I mean, we might go back and read Arcadie Martin's second novel. Yeah. Because we I... both quite liked a memory called Empire. We we might Come back and revisit Premium Mohammed with her follow-up novel to Beneath the Rising. Marlon
1: James, I'd be interested in to read the rest of his yeah.
0: series. That, that sequel isn't even out yet. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, the, the the door is open, but at the moment we promise nothing.
1: <laughs> it's true. Okay, so if you could customize this book to your specific tastes, what changes would you make? How would you make it better just for you?
0: I mean, there'd be a little more time spent in the world building. It would bloat the book a little bit, but I'd, I'd like to m- know more about like the Serati Society and the occult underworld that Johnny's plugged into and more of the the mythology that Premium Muhammad is playing with and more of the history of like the of Nineveh and, and other places they visit. Like, I, I think that would be interesting to me. But I recognize that that's not interesting to everybody. And again, I, I also acknowledge that that's not what Primi wanted to focus I on. I
1: know. But I wasn't asking about everybody. I was specifically asking about you.
0: Otherwise, the book pretty much hits the kind of notes that I would want it to hit for a modern horror comedy <laughs> set in a, <laughs> oh, in a Lovecraftian-inspired occult fantasy setting. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Good. I'm glad. I would... Uh, I said this before when we got to that point uh, in our in our chapter episodes, um, I would really like more of the story of the sorceress and the king, yep. Because I found that really interesting, and I would have liked that little sub story to run like parallel with their exploration of that of that tomb. Because I think that would have been quite fascinating. And I agree, it may have bloated the book a little bit, but plot wise, I would have given them a little bit more time instead of only the two or three days that they had. I might have given them a couple of weeks and sent them more places around the globe i would have made it a little more of a globe trotting adventure as opposed to We need to start in Edmonton and do some stuff here, and now we need to go to the other side of the world and wander around the desert for a little while, and then that's it.
0: I mean, they do a little bit of globe trotting. You just, you just wish they had done a little
1: bit. I would have wanted more. more. I would have sent them into like the catacombs underneath Paris. I would have sent them down to an Aztec pyramid. I would have sent them into the middle of nowhere in Siberia, right, to collect pieces, to find out all these things, right, to untangle this, this mystery, solve puzzles, blah, blah, blah.
0: To crack open an adjacent to the Lovecraft box box.
1: It's a pleasure to meet you.
0: All of the classic Call of Cthulhu campaigns. Call of Cthulhu is a, uh, is a role-playing game based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft, for those of you who are unfamiliar. Uh, a lot of the larger published campaigns are globetrotting adventures. So doing that would definitely move it more into the vein of like a classic... Cthulhu-esque uh, adventure, pulpy adventure, for sure. Yeah. Which is not to say, again, that they don't do a little bit of globe trotting. You You just wish they had done a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Hit just, some
0: more exotic locales.
1: Yeah, exactly. I would have given them more of a, for lack of a better term, more of a world tour.
0: An occult world
1: tour. Yeah, like solving a mystery in the freezing cold, solving a mystery in the dark underground, as opposed to just a bunch of dust... Well, I shouldn't say a bunch of dusty libraries, because... The library. They do visit
0: a lot of libraries.
1: They do visit a lot of libraries. That's not a bad thing, right? I especially liked the the private underground library where Nick gets transported. Like that was fascinating. I would have liked more of that kind of stuff. Uh, Now that we've talked about it, the mystery that Johnny was trying to solve happened sort of in the background. Yeah. I don't know why Nick could see the one symbol in that room that she couldn't see. We that never gets explained. I don't understand why she had that weird cylindrical code breaker thing. All of the actual ancient puzzle solving happened in Johnny's private point of view. We never really got to partake in that, and I think it would have made the mystery a little more compelling for us as a reader if we got to be part of it to see if we could help or not figure it out. Fair enough, right? I know I don't mean to turn this into a mystery novel, right? Don't quite go that far. But feed us, feed us a little something.
0: Well, there is an enduring mystery at the end of this novel, too, because Nick was clearly plugged into some sort of higher power. Yes. And that might have been part of why he was able to spot that symbol that she couldn't.
1: Maybe. But that's just our speculation, isn't it? We don't actually know.
0: And neither does Nick by the end of the novel. Yeah. It's one of the enduring mysteries for him as well.
1: Yeah. One of those little things. But yeah, and I agree with you. I would have, I would have added a little more to the ending. Tied up, tied up a few more loose ends.
0: Yeah, you were you wanted there to be more aftermath.
1: I really like a nice wrapped up with a bow, no loose ends ending. Happy or not. I prefer happy endings because I'm a warm fuzzy that way. But yeah, I don't like leaving too many things up in the air. It makes me feel like like I was just fed a bunch of nothing. Like this never paid off. Why even talk about it?
0: Well, again, this book was written with the knowledge there would be a sequel. Fair enough. So there are... I think, intentional things that were left off to be discussed or wrapped up in the follow-up book.
1: I still don't like that as a methodology. I would prefer to have a self-contained story that might connect to other stories, right? Like the continuing adventures of. But this particular novel, I I like it better when everything just holds together. Fair enough. But that Again, that's just me.
0: And again, in spite of these... Fairly mild, I would think, criticisms. Again, we both liked the book. Yeah.
1: No, it yeah. was still a good book. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like Prima Mohammed sat down and went, all right, I'm going to write a book for this stranger that I don't know that I never met in case they decide someday to do a podcast about it. Yeah. Right? She's not writing specifically for and me. It,
0: and if you do write and publish a novel specifically for us, please let us know. Yeah. Like-
1: d- we'll We'll devour th- it, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. So- with all that having been said, do you want to segue into your favorite part of our final episode? I'm
1: into it. Let's do it. Cast that movie. Yeah!
0: All right. Well, I'll, I'll start with this note. I thought about it. And my honest answer to this question is I would cast two relatively unknown Canadian actors who match the ethnicities of our two respective leads to head this movie. Because I would want people who are roughly age-appropriate, and I just think that that would be a great opportunity for two young actors to maybe get a break. If I was actually making this movie, that's kind of the direction I would go. But I don't feel that that's necessarily in the spirit of cast that movie.
1: We were talking about this the other day when Scott asked me if I had done my casting yet, and I said, no, not yet and i asked him if he had done his and he told me exactly what he just told you and in the back of my head i was like oh we are married because that's exactly what i would have done i would have cast like two relatively unknown actors who i still thought were competent oh yeah and and gone from there
0: i would just i wouldn't just pick two random kids off the street no, no, I'd, no. I'd pick some like theater kids or some kids who've done some yeah, tv but or
1: something I, so i when i when i was casting my movie i purposely uh, didn't go on the A list, if you know what I mean. I didn't find yep. really big names to put in this because I want I want the story to be about uh, the chemistry between. Oh yeah, my two leads.
0: Uh, you'd need to cast them at the same time because you'd need two people who yeah. uh, who have chemistry together.
1: Uh, the problem is, I'm not actually a casting agent, and I've never screen tested any of these actors. So I'm going to I I, I cast my people based on look like this is how I picture Nick would look and you fit that pretty good. And then I would hope that there was chemistry. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, in my case, I picked two actors who I think kind of have a type for what I would be looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, If, even if I wouldn't necessarily cast these two specific people. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, do you, I guess we'll start with Nick. Yeah, sure. Sure.
1: Um, I cast, okay. uh, Both for both of my actors, what I would do is age the characters up just a little bit, and then have my actors play young.
0: So you're doing a little bit of Dawson casting.
1: A little bit. I had to tweak it a little bit because I don't want to hire actual teenagers.
0: Oh, okay i've I've hired actual teenagers That's
1: fine. That's fine. I, I age I would age up the characters a little bit and age down my actors a little bit to meet in the middle somewhere. Okay? Uh, for Nick, uh, I found a young man named Avan jogia I, th- I think I'm I think that's how I pronounce it I'm not sure he is a Canadian actor of a, a great mixed ancestry but it includes uh I, I looked up his his Wikipedia page his father is uh, a British Indian okay so he is a a brown actor but Canadian and he looks just right so there we go I hope I said it properly that is my choice for Nick
0: okay how old is he
1: uh, he is in his late twenties. Aha! Uh-huh. So I would cast I would cast Nick in his like early twenties, and then get our actor to play a little bit younger.
0: All right, for my Nick, I've cast a young man by the name of Aiden Singh. Okay, he's currently seventeen years old. Ooh, perfect! So he's he's a little actually young, if anything, for Nick. But mm-hmm. by the time the movie. Got into production and such. He'd, he'd, be, <laughs> he'd be relatively be the right age. The right yeah, age. For sure. He's well in the age range for the actress I'm looking at for Johnny as well. Um, he has a few film roles under his belt, but not super well known. Um, and I think that based on his look, if you put like some stubble on him and dressed him down a little bit, yeah, he'd be perfect for Nick.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm in the same boat. Not not an A-list. A couple of things that I was like, oh, that's a that looks like a, a respectable start to a career. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Shall I do Johnny first? Yes. Cause you you go first? go first for your Johnny. All right. I went with McKenna Grace. Oh, okay. Uh, she's presently 15 years old. Ooh. So also a little young for Johnny, but Johnny is also uh, apparently one of those teens who looks younger than she is. Yeah. So I think that kind of works. And again, by the time the movie actually got producing, yeah, she'd, she'd have aged older. up yep. to, to be the right age. She also has quite a bit of horror movie experience, actually, despite her young age. Uh, she's been in The Bad Seed. She's been in Annabelle Comes Home. So she's no stranger to doing some horror movies. Very good. Um, she's played younger versions of established actresses in movies where there are flashbacks before. Ah, she nice. played Ca- she played Captain Marvel, technically. Nice. And she played Sabrina the Teenage Witch, technically. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's young. She's blonde. Uh, I think that she would fit Johnny very well for from a look standpoint. I think she's in the age range that it works with uh, with the person I'm casting is Nick. Yeah. And even if again I were to cast two relative unknowns and not these two moderately more known <laughs> actors, I would be looking for similar types to the to the two of them. Yeah. I think and and roughly the the same age range
1: too. Yeah. This is this is one of those movies. Uh, where you really do have to cast, you kind of have to typecast.
0: Well, kind of yes, because Johnny and Nick's appearances and ethnicities are tied so much into their characters.
1: Exactly, it's actually it's actually part of the plot. Yeah, as well, right? So yeah, it's hard to it's hard to fudge that when it's written into the story that way. Yeah, uh, my Johnny is a, a lady in her uh, early twenties, mm-hmm. who I would just age down a little bit. Uh Chloe Grace, and I hope I said this correctly, Moretz.
0: Chloe Grace Moretz? Yes. Well-known actress Chloe Grace Moretz?
1: Yeah. Well, super well-known, but well-known enough, right? Who also has some horror movies on her in her filmography?
0: Uh honestly, uh, if she was younger, I might have said Dakota Fanning, actually.
1: Yeah, that type. Yeah. Is kind of and sort of what Chloe I Chloe Grace going
0: Moretz for. is is very much the same kind she of type.
1: She has uh she has that very like pretty young thing look to her, which is what I pictured Johnny having.
0: But she also has really good acting chops. Yeah,
1: but good acting chops because, you know, scary things are going to happen to our characters. So yeah, so that's who I put. Uh I don't know how they would play together on screen, yeah, but they but they both have the right look.
0: And this is, I mean, we discussed that right at the top here as well. You, you this is the kind of uh situation where you kind of have to screen test them together mm-hmm. and make sure you're getting two people who have the right chemistry. Yeah. Cuz they're going to be spending a lot of time together. <laughs> Filming this movie.
1: But we are just two schlubs in our basement putting together fantasy casts. So I'm not particularly worried that we're going to, you know, actually miscast a movie.
0: So yeah, we've cast that movie. There we go. Which means we have come to the end. We have. Of Beneath the Rising by Premi Mohammed, And it's time to put that book up on the shelf with the other eight novels that we've already read and uh, pick up our 10th novel based on uh, Twitter poll that we posted a couple weeks ago. Uh, you were looking for a fantasy novel. And so we went out and we found ourselves a fantasy novel. Ooh, for...
1: boy, howdy did we. I love the back of this book. It's fantastic. Dragons. Art. Revolution. Jai and isn't a fighter or a subversive. They just want to paint. One day, they're jobless and desperate. The next, Jebby finds themselves recruited by the Ministry of Armor to paint the mystical sigils that animate the occupying government's automaton soldiers. But when Jebby discovers the depths of the Razanay government's horrifying crimes, and the awful source of the magical pigments they use, they find they can no longer stay out of politics. What they can do is steal Arazi, the Ministry's mighty dragon, automaton, and find a way to fight.
0: For our tenth novel, uh, we have picked up Phoenix Extravagant by Ha Lee, which uh, is going to be a fantasy adventure by the locust award-winning author of the machineries of empire trilogy
1: it's such a good title come on phoenix extravagant yeah it's awesome
0: no it's uh it's definitely a book that fits our type shall we say yeah and uh we're looking forward to uh to diving into it next week
1: there and are know, no breaks.
0: There are no breaks with it
1: <laughs> I know you're not supposed to ever judge a book by its cover. There's a popular saying for a reason. But the cover art on this book is fantastic.
0: It is very lovely.
1: It's this book, beautiful, yeah. mechanical, red, scary looking dragon, and it's gorgeous.
0: The novel actually also just came out on paperback. So good time to grab it. It'll be probably readily available at a bookshop near you. Yep, probably. And uh, we're going to be diving right into chapter one of Phoenix Extravagant next week
1: absolutely i'm looking forward to this one yeah
0: we're looking forward to sharing it with you so uh with that said another book under our belts going into our 10th novel
1: yeah we did it
0: and uh you'll want to uh stay tuned as we continue our book reading journey
1: Thanks for sticking with us.
0: While you might be sticking with us, uh, one person you might not want to stick with is your utilities provider. And uh, wouldn't you know it, one of the longtime supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network is a utilities provider, and Anita is going to tell you all about them.
1: This ad is called Winter is Coming, and my little nerd heart loves it. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Winter is coming, and energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure that they are on the best plan. Albertans have a choice who they pay their utility bills to. Park Power is happy to provide free, no obligations comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy. And you can feel good knowing you are supporting a local business, and helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca
0: Park Power. Woo. Good people doing good things.
1: Shop local. Mm.
0: Uh, obviously, if you are listening from abroad or further afield than Edmonton, uh, you should also seek out local providers yeah. in your area. Still shop local. Still shop <laughs> local, but uh, it, we forgive you for not shopping Edmonton if you don't live in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah,
0: um, You can uh, find out more about Park Power and other sponsors of the network at the network website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. While you're there, you'll definitely find some other podcasts worth listening to. We have a great lineup. It's... Uh, Always, always good to check back from time to time. See what's new. Uh, you can find those podcasts on your podcatcher of choice. While you're there, give us a little rating and a review.
1: Yeah, we appreciate that, especially now that we finished a book and are starting afresh. Yeah, yeah, it's good
0: stuff. Now is the perfect time to jump in and give us your your fair but uh, scathing criticism. <laughs> about our uh, about our podcast you can reach out to us on social media
1: absolutely we are on twitter instagram facebook and goodreads we are at the readalong for most of those
0: you can also reach us via email
1: we are thereadalong at gmail.com
0: and with that said as always we love you very much thanks for sticking with us for yet another novel and we'll see you next time
1: mm, fresh book smell.